Hello and get ready. Prepare your heart as we dive into the Word of God. Pastor Steve Castle of Beloved Church in Lena, Illinois is about to lead you into a life-changing encounter with grace and truth. Jesus Christ has a divine, perfectly orchestrated destiny for those who are willing to be adventurous enough to receive His favor and blessing into their life. Our prayer is that you will allow the presence of the comforting Spirit of God to radically display the Father's love for you. You are part of God's beloved family, and that means you are greatly loved. Now over to Pastor Steve. So we're going to talk about your soul today. That was all for free. Because I started talking about identity last week, and I'm going to finish it, at least that this one message, because we could talk about identity until, until Jesus splits the sky again. Amen. Because um, it, is, it is really that important. If you don't know who you are, how in the world are you going to live your life? And I'll tell you this, like, it, just in the body of Christ, I'll... I'll tell you that, in my experience, at least, well, if I take the entire body of Christ, <laughs> at least 80% of those folks don't have a clue who they are. Don't have a clue. I mean, even like a beginning, like, I can say one verse to them and they just like, look at me like a dog at a new dish. Don't have a clue. And then... Now, we're the point one percenters, and some of you that have been around for a long time, you know what I'm talking about. In this building, you're getting about point one percent of the population, the Christian population information. You are getting stuff that one out of 10,000 churches get. And, I, and I, I'm, some of the people are like, yeah, you're for real, because like I've been around... Um, but some of you other ones are like, hey, you're just doing a commercial for Beloved. I'm not. I'm telling you that this stuff is 0.1 and it could potentially be 0.01% because I talk to thousands, tens of thousands of Christians and what you get on a regular basis isn't even on their lifetime goal. And you get it every week. The real, true, unadulterated unwatered down, unfiltered gospel about the finished work of the cross and the kingdom of God. And we have got to get this identity into us. This is, identity isn't a message. Identity is a revelation. If you think that you're going to get what I'm going to say now because you're going to get all the information down and you're going to process the information and then it don't work that way. This is revelation. You do not get this by information. It only comes by revelation. Which means you have to on purpose open your heart up to this. You, you do know that Jesus preached the exact same messages, sermons. Um, he did the same teaching and the same miracles took place with John the Beloved as it did with Judas. Are we aware of this? Judas made a decision about the end of his life, and John made a decision about the end of his life. The difference was 
how much they valued it, how much they wanted it, how important they are. What's really cool is that about probably about 30% without taking a survey, about 30 maybe uh, more percent of this room has, dri- has drove, traveled over an hour to be here or at least close to it. You know what that means? Value. Value. You are, I will guarantee you that you're going to get more out of this than someone that didn't. Because you valued it enough to invest in it. Whatever you invest in, you have value for. If you invest in your marriage, you have more value. If you're struggling with your marriage, invest in it. You'll have a better marriage. If you're struggling with your children, invest in them. You'll have a better relationship. Whatever you want to have better with, invest in it. And you will value it. The more you value it, the more you will do things in order to keep the value of it. Amen? Amen. So identity, and this is part deuce, identity 2.0. If you remember, I, I tried to give us a percentage of what our identity is. And for the most part, the average person, their identity is probably about 50% of the body. If you are a young person... Um, if you're under 20 and you're a, gir- a girl, it's probably about 80% of your body. That's mostly the identity. Because you've been taught to do that. Our society has trained us to do that. And the worst part is, is that when girls um, and guys, too, I see it, that if this is what you advertise, then this is what's for sale. So don't complain when the guy just wants your body. Because that's what you sold him. If you want him to want your heart, then put your heart on display. And make this hard to get to. Why do we wrap presents? Does anybody, anybody ever think about it? Why do you get a birthday present that's wrapped? Because it's fun to wrap. Because it's fun to wrap. No. No, 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 no. The reason you wrap it is so that there is a, there's an expectancy, there's a surprise to what's on the inside of it. I'm not trying to go here right now. Why, why in the wedding ceremony is the, if you look back, because now it's not that way, now that, I'm not going to say it. Um, it's not that way now. In the wedding ceremonies of old that were more based on scripture, why was the bride completely covered head to toe? Including a veil. So that when they became one flesh, that was the first time that she was unveiled. And it was only for one man. Why was the dress white? Because of purity. And I'm not trying to get into everybody's P's and Q's. I'm just trying to say, we, we don't realize how much we put identity in all these other things. In our body. In our job. You know, you can't walk up to somebody and say, I do mechanicing. You say, I am a mechanic. Are you following me? Like, no, you're not. You're not a mechanic. You do mechanicing. I am a computer programmer. No, you're not. You're a son of God. 
Who programs computers? I am a nurse. No, you're not. You're a son of God that helps people with physical things at a hospital. Are you following me? We've even... we. It's... It even sounds weird now. I mean, you might, you might leave out of here and maybe for the next week somebody, you might introduce yourself, somebody in the say, well, what do you do? Oh, I'm a mechanic. No, no, pastor said. <laughs> but then two weeks later, three weeks later, you'll get back into it. I am a Anything that you am is an identity statement. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Jesus didn't say... I am a carpenter. Not one time. They called him one. And really that word for carpenter isn't even carpenter like what you think. It actually is architect. Jesus was an architect. But he never one time I am'd anything other than his divine identity. And I'm not fussing at you if you say I'm a mechanic. Or I, uh, the point is... is Just separate yourself from the I am statements and who you really are. You are not anything on the outside. You are not even your soul. Zero percent of your actual identity is from your soul. Now, if you ask the average Christian in the non-0.1% churches... (laughs) How much of their identity is in their soul? They would probably say probably 50-50. You know, I'm half spirit, half soul. And, you know, at least they'd be spiritual enough to kind of reject the body part. But they would probably say 50-50. You know, that's not true. That, that might be a reality for how they live. And that's why they're jacked up. But that's not true. You're, you have 0% identity in your soul. Zero percent identity in your body. Zero percent identity in your soul. One hundred percent identity in the Spirit of Christ that is your spirit. If it ain't true about Him, it ain't true about you. I know a bunch of folks are on tilt. Well, I don't feel like, I don't feel like that. There you go. That's because your identity is in your soul and how you feel. Most people's feelings are God. Yep. That was awesome. <laughs> the word personality is actually a Latin word. Personality comes from two words. Persona and ality. Persona in the Latin means mask. Mask. This is so relative for today. Why a mask? So that you can hide what's underneath. Now, it was actually kind of coined in a positive way. It was, it was meant to mask anything that was negative. But anything that you mask is disingenuous. You're hiding reality. Anything that's masked. And so in the, in the original Latin, what they were looking at was that a person's personality was the soul masking the spirit. But that's not true. It's not supposed to be true. It might be true, because honestly, most of our souls do mask our spirit. I just got fussed at yesterday or day before. Day before, I got fussed at because I was giving someone counsel. (laughs) 
I, I know you're going to laugh, but I want you to think about this because this is for Rizzle. I was given someone counsel, and I said, hey, it does, that does not matter. That has no value whatsoever. What does the Father say about your value? Who does the Father say that you are? Because this person was struggling with other people's opinions. And this is something that I had to walk through a ton. I literally carried around Proverbs 25, 27 in my wallet for five years because I had to struggle with the fear of man. The fear of man brings a snare. I didn't have any fear from like Satan or fear of whatever or failure or anything like that. I had no fear of that. I had the fear of man. Like, and not even like from a popularity thing, but like I didn't want to, I didn't want to wreck life by wrecking people's opinion of me. So I was very, very aware of people's opinions and I had to get set free from the fear of man. And so I was, I was basically trying to give this revelation to this fellow and he shot back in a text message. He says, why don't you give me something practical? You're always giving me something spiritual. Now think about it. I know you're laughing, but I want you to think about it. But 50% of this room, if you walked up to me and I gave you a spiritual principle to fix something in your life, or I gave you the three steps that cost you $14.99 a month, you'd take the three steps that cost $14.99 a month. You'd take it in a heartbeat. Because you want to fix it on the outside. Give a rip about the inside. But I give you some spiritual principle, you go, what are you going to tell me, to pray? Has it come to prayer? Oh, I'm sure you're just going to tell me to read the Bible. I've done that. Okay, you ain't done it. I sat down to read Philippians the other day, and after three hours, I was in verse 7 of 1. I'm like, I'm going to read Philippians. Like all of it. You should read the Bible that way. Personality. Persona, mask. Ality, the state of. So it's living in the state of. The word personality literally means living in the state of a mask. I hope every time you ever use the word personality for the rest of your life, you think about this moment when Pastor Steve told you what the definition of personality is. It means living from the state of having a mask on. And again, they use it in a positive way, like we're trying to mask, you know, the bad part. Because they used to believe in the depravity of man and the heart is deceitfully wicked and all that. They didn't have a revelation of the born again reality that we are our spirit and so that what they just said was fake it till you make it that, that was their plan fake it till you make it put the mask on and if you live like the mask long enough eventually the mask will grow into your face and you'll become the mask it don't work that way y'all it does not work that way First, uh, third john verse two our text Beloved, I wish, it says in the King James, and that word for wish is a heartfelt prayer, but you can't ask God. (laughs) And I know some of you are like, prayer that I can't ask God. Okay, let me say this real quick about prayer. (laughs) If you pray that God changes somebody, that's called witchcraft. And I know that just like 
shocked a bunch of folks. You cannot pray God to change someone. A, he's not the dog on your leash. B, you don't even really know what people need, so quit trying to pray change into their lives when you don't actually know what they need. And C, if you think God was waiting for you to give him permission to go change someone, you need to be knocked off your horse. Amen. You cannot pray God to change someone. God wants them changed more than you do. I can assure you. If I could pray to change this room, I wouldn't have to do this. Are you following me? Why do this? Why do y'all come? (laughs) Hopefully that's a positive question. You're coming to hear truth that hopefully you can put into your life and your heart, get revelation of, so that change takes place. That's the kingdom system. You can't just pray that into people. If you could just pray to... Why did Jesus have to come? Why didn't He just pray from heaven? Father, change the world. Okay, son, thanks for the prayer. (laughs) No, He had to physically come. You can't pray God to change people. It is witchcraft. That's what you do when you are a Satanist. You get a Ouija doll, you stick pins in it, you do terrible stuff. So then what are we supposed to do? The Bible... We just read the scripture that says pray for your leaders. Yeah, Pray that laborers cross their path and tell them what Pastor Steve is telling you. Man, that was a great place for a, like a, yeah. That's what we, pray that laborers cross their path. Jesus said, pray the Lord of the harvest that he sends laborers into the people's fields. So we're supposed to pray. What else can you pray for? Pray for wisdom on how you can encounter them. You know, most people use prayer as like the, as, as the great release of their own personal responsibilities. Well, you know, Clark's super jacked up, and I know that as his pastor, I should probably go to him and talk to him and have a difficult conversation with Clark, but because it's really going to be hard to do, and he might not take it right, and then he might flip a booger at me and get mad, I'm just going to pray, God, change Clark. Mm-hmm. And then it takes all the responsibility. Well, I prayed for him, and he still went down to hell. I prayed. No, I'm responsible. If I have a place in his life, are you following me? Parents, children, spouses, are you following me? If you have a place in someone's life, you don't just get to get rid of the responsibility for things going on in their life by just saying, well, I'm going to pray for them. What do you do? You live... Christ. Does that mean you go and you get them when they're in a drunken stupor and set them up on a stool and preach at them? You filthy, stupid, bad husband. You're going to hell because you're drunk. No! (laughs) Does everybody hear me? No. You live Christ. The Bible says that we are His epistles written and known of all men. Living epistles. You are a walking around form of Jesus. If your bad, terrible spouse lived with Jesus for a week, it would affect them. If your spouse is not being affected, don't blame God. Live Christ. 
I'm telling you, this is why Kay is madly in love with me. (laughs) Beloved, I wish above all things that you prosper and you are in good health. Even as your soul, psyche, the word for soul is psyche, even as your psyche is prospering. You want physical manifestations of God's blessing. You want uh, healthy, physical, emotional, um, financial, relational. You want those benefits that God has for you to manifest in your life. Soul control. Soul control. Psalms 35, 27. Let them shout for joy and be glad. That was like seven people. I stand up here every week and I work hard and I and I stay stuff. And then that. It's seven more than you had a month ago. We'll just try it again. Sometimes people are so deep in the spirit and are chewing on all the revelatory things that I'm saying that they just don't. We'll go with that. We'll spin this. Let them shout for joy and be glad. That favor my righteous cause. Let them say continually. Oh Lord, it's terrible out there. Aren't you going to do anything about my problems? Oh, it doesn't say that. Let them say continually... Let the Lord be magnified that has pleasure in the prosperity of a servant. I would, I would love to like say, raise your hand if you said that this week. Um, but I'm not going to do that because I'm going to embarrass pretty much the entire room. But we're, you know, this is like for real. Like this isn't like some poetry or this isn't some cool song that, that David wrote. We're supposed to be saying continually, God, I want you to be magnified. And how well you're prospering me. Now here's the cool thing. If you filter this through the New Testament and understand the fact that we're sons and not just servants, we do serve our Father. But if you filter this through being sons, how much more pleasing is it to the Father for you to be living in different realms of prosperity? If He's pleased at His servants, are you following me? Anybody here ever owned a business or been a manager? Um, <clears throat> I need to raise you all up. <laughs> you, you probably don't stay awake at night hoping that your employees just explode in prosperity and wealth. And In fact, you probably almost don't want it to happen because then they might quit your job and go find somewhere else. Then you've got to replace them and do it. Like, Lord, keep them broke. <laughs> Make... <laughs> Make them work here for the rest of their lives and do a good job. Well, if they do a good job, you should pay. God's not like you. God actually wants you to prosper. He wants His servants to prosper. How much more does He want His sons? 1 Corinthians 15.45 This is an important doctrinal theological truth. And I know that you guys don't like to hear theology and doctrine, but this is an important one, so get this one. 
Come back, you know, like next year and I'll give you one more. This is, um, this will make some of these things that I'm teaching on the soul really, really click. So this verse, and I'm, and I'm cutting right into a middle, like 1 Corinthians chapter 15, I think is 68 verses long. So it's, there's, there's a little bit of context, okay? Are you following me? So I'm breaking right in the middle of that, and I get that. But I want you to understand, like, he literally just made, like, a statement, and we need to get this. So the first man, Adam, does anybody remember that guy in the garden? Jacked up everything. We're going to have a talk when I get up there. That guy. The first man, Adam, was made a living soul. A soul that receives life. He was created as a soul that receives life. You think that in the creation of Adam that God just took dirt and made like this form. No. You are funny. God doesn't just... He's not like an artist, okay? He's God. He didn't just make this clay version of a person and it became animated like some robot. He built Adam out of the substance of this earth that included his soul. Adam wasn't some mind numb. Okay, did God when God was making Adam? Did he make a brain? Maybe. <laughs> no, it's yes. <laughs> he made a brain, which means that there was a to not mess with what I've already talked about. There was already a personality in Adam. God built that. He built every part of the fullness of who Adam was, and then he breathed life. And Adam became a living soul. Before that, he was not a living soul. He had all the parts, but nothing was alive. Adam was created to be a soul that received life from the breath of God. Man, I hope you get this. Before Christ, you were a soul that could only receive life when given to it. In fact, some of you probably can even correlate with this because before you got born again, there was times and places like you could go into a church and like things would happen and you'd get tingly and stuff. And you're like, wow. But then you go out about your dumb, stupid life. You receive some life. You know, you're, you, maybe you had a praying mom or a praying grandma and they would talk to you about the good things of God and tell you God loves you. Or, or maybe you'd, you know, read books about love and you really love movies about love and you're a guy and you're not supposed to like that stuff and so you do it on the sly. Or it, There was something on the inside of you that was always drawing for, looking for life. This is how demons work. Demons have no life and so they have to attach to people who have life and suck it from them. Demons are literal leeches. They're parasites. That's why it was easy for Jesus to cast them all. Just sever. And that's why the demons ask, hey, please don't cast us out into the deep. At least put us in the pigs. But the last man, Adam, Jesus, was made a life-giving spirit. It says quickening, but it literally means a life-giving spirit. Now, I want you to get this. If you are a soul before Christ, B.C., you're a soul that needs life to exist. And sometimes Satan will 
grant that to people that are in his kingdom if they think that they need life to exist and it looks like Satan he'll give them you know sex drugs and rock and roll because that's what they think needs life so he'll give that to them so that they think that they're alive but they're actually dead because Satan has no life so he can't give them life because Jesus said I am the life there is no life outside of Jesus so everything else is death anyway so the last madam was a quickening spirit. So you were before Christ, you were a soul that needed to be given life. After Christ, you are a spirit that gives life. Before Christ, you needed life, life, life to exist. After you're born again, you are a spirit that gives life. So what should your soul look like? You getting this? Matthew 16, verse 24. Then Jesus said unto his disciples, If, even Jesus knew not everybody was going to like him. If any man will come after me, and that word after me means to go behind. Let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Now, we've all heard this one. You need to deny yourself and take up your cross. But I'll guarantee you that most people don't have a clue as to what Jesus was saying. What cross? Deny who? You know, what's the deal here? Okay, let me break this down. So, to come after him means to follow. To follow. He leads the way. You go behind. So, that's the first thing. Like, we don't necessarily like to follow, because we're the boss. Right? Nobody tells me what to do. Because I'm free, right? Liberty! I'm going to do what I want. That ain't liberty, y'all. That's false liberty. And that'll put you in hell. You doing what you want, that'll destroy you. We should learn to follow life. <laughs> He's the life. We're getting the life from Him. Follow Him. And let Him deny. This word deny means to renounce, forsake. It's the exact same word when Jesus said, Hey, Peter, before the rooster crows three times, you're going to deny me. And Peter said, Not me, man. i got a sword and I'll fight for you, sir. <laughs> and then, cock a doodle doo he denied Christ. It said that he denied him. I never knew the man. And it said that he cussed and swore. That's a strong denial. This is what you need to do to whatever you think your personality is. You need to cuss and swear and say that you never knew it. Some of us are proud of our past. Well, let me tell you how much of a drunk I was. Here's how much I was a drunk. I did this and this and this. I was a really bad drunk. But now I'm not. No, you're pretty proud of your drunkenness. That's not testifying. Are you following me? Like, some of us are kind of proud of our, like, well, let me tell you what kind of sin I got into. <laughs> Why? You're a sinner. You got saved. Tell me about the salvation. I'll give a rip about the sinning. Yes. Verse 25. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profited if he shall gain a whole world and lose his own soul? 
or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Duckling, can you put both those verses up? Can you put 25 and 26 up, please? I want to do this. I'm going to try to do this real quick. I know the time. Give me a break. Um, <clears throat> so in verse 25, it says, If any man will save... I don't know, I don't know if you can do that. If, for whosoever will save... The word save is sozo. For those of you that have done any study whatsoever in the Scriptures, sozo is one of the most important words that you could ever, 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 ever study. If you've never studied sozo, do it this week. Sozo is the word for salvation. Whenever you see the word saved or salvation, it's either sozo or sertiria, which is a derivative of sozo. Sozo doesn't just mean saved like forgiven of your sins. 58 times it was, it was used 108 times. Just the word sozo was used 108 times in the New Testament. And 58 of them were used for forgiveness of sins or spiritual redemption. But the other 50 times, so almost half of the times the word was used, it was healing. It was deliverance from demons. It was being raised from the dead. It was being saved from drowning. That's the same word for... When you say, I'm saved, what you're actually saying is, I'm saved, I'm healed, I'm delivered from destruction, I'm set free from demonic oppression. I'm, you're actually saying that. You don't know that because we boiled the gospel down just to get to heaven and to deny hell, which is the most terrible gospel ever because they already had that gospel in the Old Testament. That's not our gospel. Our gospel is saved. You're healed, you're delivered, you're prospered, you're blessed, you're... That's saved. And if you don't like that, well then just tear out the other 50 uses of the word out of your Bible. I would encourage you to not do that. Whosoever will be saved, whosoever will sozo their life, psyche. This is why it's important for us to really study the scriptures. Jesus was actually talking about our souls. So when he says to deny yourself, soul. When he says take up a cross, he's talking about the payment that he made in his soul. 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 Whosoever will save, sozo, his soul, shall lose. This word lose means to utterly destroy. Utterly destroy. Complete destruction. So if you are choosing to save your own soul, Here's how I'm going to save my soul. I'm going to go to a psychologist. I'm going to get a therapist. I'm going to get a girl that talks to me real sweetly. I'm going to get, I'm going to get nice text messages. And my soul is going to be blessed. You are utterly destroying your soul. Don't get mad at me. Jesus said it. That's utter destruction to your soul. If you are trying to get life into your soul from anything besides Him, it is utter destruction. Your soul, that's why your soul screams and cries out when those things take place. Whosoever will save his life will lose it, utterly destroy it. And whosoever will lose, utterly destroy his life for my sake shall find it. So if you say, hey, you know what? It's not about my personality. It's not about my past. It's not about my experiences. It's not about my emotions. It's not about how I feel. It's going to be about Him. Guess what you just did? 
You just connected to life. Over here, you think you're living. Well, I'm having a great time over here. Yeah, huh? How many were lost and you, while you were lost, you were thought you were having the time of your life? Anybody besides me? Anybody a really good sinner besides me before? Okay. When I was lost, I was like having the time of my life. It was awesome. But here's the thing. Nobody knew what was going on in my head 20 minutes before I was trying to go to sleep. And the guilt and the shame and the condemnation and the filth and the ick that you couldn't wash off as many showers as you took. You still couldn't get it off. Nobody knew that. Because I was having time of my life, right? Party on, Steve Castle. For what is a man profited, verse 26, if he shall gain the whole world? The whole world. This is a soul conversation, y'all. What if your soul got everything that you think that it wanted from the world? We could say it this way. What if you were number one Hollywood actor or actress? Because really, that's what it is. Everybody loves you. You're beautiful. Everybody wants you in all the ways that you could want to be wanted. You got money. Your dogs are well behaved. I mean, everything there is to have, you have it. Right? Isn't that... That would be like the pinnacle of all, of all salvations there is to achieve. That would be the salvation. So can someone please tell me why the suicide rate in Hollywood is like quintuple what it is in regular world? The divorce rate in Hollywood is like something like 13 per, uh, 130% higher. Child molestation, sexual dysfunction, drug addiction in Hollywood, in that environment, is everything there is to measure is wheels off. How is it possible if that's the goal? Because you are utterly destroying your soul. So if you, whatever you think is going to bring blessing and benefit and life to you that doesn't come from Him, it's just destruction. It's just destruction. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose, damage his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Many people are routinely exchanging their souls in order to obtain just a small portion of what the world has to offer their physical or emotional existence. But the entire world... And all it has to offer is not worth a divinely healthy soul. But Bob said, if I was living under a bridge, broke, in the love of my father, with my bride who adores me, I wouldn't give a rip. It'd be just like an extended camping trip. Kay would love it because she loves camping. That was a lie. Kay likes her showers. The entire world and all it has to offer is not worth a divinely healthy soul. Read Romans 8.18. Paul, Paul talked about this that he... Never mind. Because if I go there, I'll preach on it. 
People's souls are not satisfied with the things of the world. They are placated. Placated. Why do you think painkillers in different forms is like the number one thing in the entire universe? Because everybody's got pain. Soul pain, body pain, life pain. And so just give me a different kind of painkiller. Give me some kind of painkiller. Whether it's an outside painkiller or an inside painkiller, please give it to me and give it to me by the truckload. And I don't want to pay for it, so give it to me on my insurance. Because you hurt. Inside, outside, all around. And so we just look to numb the pain. We don't actually want to fix it. We just want to numb it. Just make the pain go away. I don't care if you fix it. Just make the pain go away. I've actually had people ask me to pray that way. Where they've come up to me at an altar with a terrible sickness or a disease or something, and they say, just pray that the pain goes away. It'll come back, y'all. When the pill wears off, when the drug wears off, when the whatever, when it whatever it is, when it wears off, the pain returns. You know that, right? Jesus is a root guy, not a fruit guy. You pull the fruit off, another fruit grows. You pull the roots out, no more tree. Our souls were made for God. Revelation 4.11. Please put that up. I'm sorry that it's long. I don't want it to be long. But I really want you to get this. Our souls were made... I'll be done with this, I promise. Boy Scout, promise. Our souls were made for God. No one and nothing else will ever satisfy or give life. True satisfaction only comes from our divine origin. Revelation 4.11 says that you were created for His pleasure. You know how many times somebody, some, God bless them, ignorant person has said, what's the purpose of life? Great philosophers, Socrates, and all these people have been philosophers. What's the purpose of life? Well, I think, therefore I am. And all this ignorant... God bless them. Let me tell you the purpose of life. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. You want to know what the purpose of life is? To be pleasing to your Father. And for your Father to please you. Everything else, it's just fake. It's just plastic. And that's why it has no value. That's why you can swap partners all day long. That's why you can throw clothes away. You can just I mean, you just never have enough. All that stuff, it's just never enough. You can have the greatest meal you've ever had. And in like five hours, if it's Chinese food, it's like three hours. You are hungry again. Amen. Are you following me? I know that's kind of funny, but it's for real. Because when you get the next thing, then you just need the next thing. This is totally real in sexual dysfunction. 
Because once you get to that thing, well, then you need the next thing, and then you need... It just, it's, there is no bottom to that pit. There is no bottom. Hell hath no bottom. You were created to be pleasing to and to be pleased by your Father. And if it doesn't come from that, it doesn't have value. And look how simple. Look how simple. The devil wants it complicated. Your father wants it simple. Just think about me, and I'm going to just think about you. And together, it'll be good. All right, I want to bless you. Please rise. Thank you so much for sharing a few minutes with us as we have encountered Jesus Christ through the ministry of his precious, life-changing word. If you would like to learn more about the ministry of Pastor Steve Castle and Beloved Church, please visit us online at BelovedChurchIllinois.com or call us at 815-990-0367. Always remember that you are part of the Beloved Family of God, and Beloved Church is a place where you are greatly loved. Now please open your heart as Pastor Steve proclaims the blessing of the Father over your life. Beloved, you who are greatly loved by the Father, I pray, I desire above all things that you prosper and you experience divine health to the degree that you allow that to saturate and prosper your soul. I pray that you receive these words and they change every aspect of your life. I love you. I'll see you again soon. Thank you.